Okay, so we are currently back into our uh, Disciple series. Um, just as a bit of review, I, I want you guys to kind of share a little bit of the highlights, the things that have stood out to you, maybe the things that convicted you the most. Um, but what have been those things for you that as far as this study has gone so far that you've really taken away and has been something that have hit you, hit you pretty hard? Yeah. Exactly. Quality time with God is the key. Quality time. You know, I, I just, Pastor Tom's message this past Sunday was just absolutely amazing. It was one of those messages that, that should have rekindled a fire inside of your guys' heart um, about your schools, your families, your friends, your circumstances. If it didn't, there's something wrong. Um, but it's one of those things where you have got to understand that the mission that you have is so critical. And then I think... And I think tonight's going to go into this, too, because I think that a lot of us, we just feel like that we can't do it. Like, if I were to tell you that you have the opportunity to reach your entire school for Jesus Christ, do you believe me? I mean, do you? That's only something that you can answer. But I would tend to think that you probably, nah, that's not possible. Because you're probably already thinking of several people that would never hear the truth of the gospel, that would never want to talk about Christ... Or there might be some issues in your own life where my life's not even right. Who's going to want to listen to me? And I'm not even willing to get myself right. I'm not, there's no way. Okay. You have no idea what God can do through you. No idea. I mean, these little stories in the Gospels that people just treat as stories are fairy tales. I mean, think about it for a second. The whole story of the little kid that's got the five loaves and the two fish. And yet he feeds how many people? Uh, 5,000. Yeah, thousands thousands on more than one occasion he did this and they didn't have anything to offer and they're like well we have this we have i mean we've got the five loaves and two fish and jesus says okay i'll take it and he took it and he fed everybody with it so the thing that you have to stop believing is you have to stop believing the lie that god cannot use you at school and god cannot use you in your family and god cannot use you with your friends because that is a lie it's a total lie he can. The issue is, are you willing? That's the key. Because most of us aren't willing. In our flesh, we're not willing. Until you actually believe that God can do something amazing. Because one step of obedience can turn into something that you can't even fathom. You can't. And see, this is the part for me that when I look back on my years of high school, I regret deeply. Because I made some serious mistakes my last year of high school. And I could have done better than what I did. I mean, I still had the opportunity to share the gospel publicly with thousands of people. I still had the chance to lead people to Christ in my senior year, and I did some of those things. But I was living in sin. I wasn't willing to deal with my sin in my own life. I was making poor choices. And because of that, I limited God's ability to use me where I was at. And now that time's over. That door is shut, and there's nothing that I can do about it. Other than tell you, don't do what I did. That's really the only thing I can do. And so I want you guys to be thinking in terms of being a disciple. The disciples would have never succeeded if they would have thought that they never could succeed. Like, why would God tell them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, commanding them 
you know, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and though I'm with you always, always until the end of the world. Amen. Why would he tell somebody that if they couldn't actually go and do it? I mean, does God play games with us like that? I mean, I, no, <laughs> he doesn't. Why? He wouldn't tell you to do something that if you couldn't go and do it. So we talked about being a good witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we're going to be talking about overcoming sin issues because I believe that this is probably one of those things that uh, trip all of us up the most when it comes to serving the Lord. Um, I have no doubt that there are people here tonight that believe that they are not worthy to serve God because of their mistakes. Because I've thought that. I know there are people that are here that are saying, well, I can't open my mouth because my life is a total wreck and I'm a hypocrite and people aren't going to hear, hear what I have to say. And I know that because I've been that way. And so what you just need to do is you need to determine, okay, are you just going to keep living that way? Are you going to keep doing that and just keep wasting your time that God has given you? Or are you willing to actually stand up and say, you know what? I need to deal with my stuff. I need to deal with my trash. I need to deal with my issues because I know God wants to use me, but he can't because I'm not ready. And so there's these things that we always constantly struggle with. And for each of us, it's different. We all have this thing that keeps tripping us up. We all do, all of us do. You might think that no one else struggles with the same things that you do, that is not true, that is not true. We might have different things, but we all struggle with the same stuff, we do. And so I wanna talk about that tonight and talk about what it means to overcome that and what that even looks like, because it is totally possible. All right, so let's hit this, overcoming sin issues. So as a human, it is inevitable that we will make mistakes feel trapped by our sinful nature and believe it is impossible to overcome our habitual faults. This perspective leads to a defeated Christian life, no fruit for the Lord, Jesus Christ, and God not being honored and glorified. Is it truly possible to overcome our sin issues that seem to cripple us? And it is absolutely, yes, there has to be a way. There has to be a way. And so let's look at these verses. Go to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. I'm going to have two other people look up the other one. 2 Peter 2.9. Who wants 2 Peter 2.9? And then, um, Haley, go ahead and take uh, Philippians 1.6. So everyone go to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10 is found in the New Testament. If you hit the maps, you've gone too far. 1 Corinthians 10. All right. Some great, great verses. If you don't have these verses memorized, this would be a great verse to memorize. Verse 13 is our verse. I want to back it up one. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Okay, so if you think you're okay, you're not. If you think you got it handled, you don't. And it's only a matter of time before you fall. Trust me. And this is also something, this is a word of advice. Whenever you're talking to people, especially people that don't know Christ... And don't love God. And they say or they challenge you on certain things like drinking or sex or, 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 or whatever, anything. Or, or listening to poor music or whatever. Whatever the case might be. And they say, oh, come on, come on. And then you say something that you will immediately regret, if not immediately, shortly thereafter. I will never do that. Don't ever say never. False. Don't do that. Because... I was in that position and I was challenged on my purity and I said I would never and then I did 
And then I was the biggest hypocrite. And to this day, I'm embarrassed. Every time I see someone that I graduated with, I'm embarrassed immediately. Anyone that knew me in high school, I'm, I'm embarrassed. They may not know what I did. They may not know it at all. I don't know, but I'm embarrassed and I regret it. I feel like I should go and I should apologize to all like 260 some people I graduated with. I do. It's terrible. Don't ever say never. Anyone is capable of anything. Look at verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So first of all, right there, you will never be tempted about something that isn't uncommon. Meaning, you're never going to be tempted about something that somebody else hasn't been tempted by. And I'm telling you, this is, it may be different. It might be different circumstances. It might play out differently in your life. But the core of the sin issue of the temptation will always be the same with all of us. It is always the same. How it works out might be different, but it's always the same. So there's no temptation that's going to come your way that is uncommon. It's all common to every person. And then look at after the colon. But God is faithful. This is so important. But God is faithful, and he proves his faithfulness by doing this. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? God will never put you in a circumstance that you're not able to handle. Now, a lot of people disagree with me on that one. But I mean it, because even if you're in an overwhelming circumstance that you can't handle it, you actually can because God is with you. So it doesn't matter what your circumstance is, and it could be completely different than mine, God will never put you in a situation where you have to sin, that your only way out is to do what's wrong. He will never do that to you. He doesn't do that. He cares about you and he loves you. He's not gonna put you in that position. So he will not suffer you to be tempted above the ear able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So there is always an exit route. There is always a way out. There's always a, an escape out of the situation. You just need to be looking for it. And that's our problem is because when we're in the moment, we don't think about finding the exit and we feel like there's no choice. Yes, there's a choice. There's always a choice. If you're born again through Jesus Christ, you always have a choice to say no. Always. The reason why you don't might be many, but you always have a choice to say no. And you might want to say yes because, well, they're going to make fun of me. Well, that's your pride speaking. You're not sticking up for God. You're being selfish because you don't want to rattle the boat. You don't want, you don't want things to, to go poorly in your life. Whatever the case might be, it's all, it always comes back down to the same thing. But you always have a way out. Always. Second Peter 2.9. Listen to this one. Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God knows how to take you out of the circumstance. If you're ever in a circumstance where you are tempted, like maybe maybe you're alone and you're just having the wrong thoughts, and you start your flesh is tempting you to do something, whatever it is, or maybe you're with people and you're tempted to do something that you know is ungodly. Okay, in that circumstance, have you ever thought about taking a time out? And actually praying to God about it. You ever thought about that? It's a genius idea. Because God knows how to deliver you. And if you call upon him, he will help you see the exit. Great verse. All right, and then listen to uh, Philippians 1.6. Okay, so... Are you born again today? Have you received Christ as your Savior? If you have, God will not stop perfecting you until you come into the image of Jesus Christ. 
he won't stop. He won't. So no matter how many times you fail, and no matter how many times you choose the wrong thing, God will never give up on you, and he will keep working on you to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. Your choice is whether the route's going to be hard or easy. That's the choice you have. All right, and then look at this. A disciple of Jesus Christ may fall, but he or she will not stay down. Will not stay down. Someone look at Proverbs 24, 16. Who wants that one? Everyone else go to Micah. Um, Jamie, take that one. Everyone else go to Micah 7. Micah 7. Micah 7's in the OT. Micah. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Micah. And not Micah Prickett, but Micah in the Bible. Sorry, Micah. (laughs) All right. Micah chapter 7. Okay, listen to Proverbs 24, 16. Okay, very easily understood. The just, those that do that, which is right and righteous, they may fall seven times, but they'll get back up again. But the wicked, they fall into mischief. That is the choice you have every single time. Either you choose to stay down, and the only result is mischief, or you can choose to do what's right, and no matter how many times you fall down, no matter how many times you're a spiritual klutz, like that one? No matter how many times you injure yourself spiritually, are you willing to do what's right and get back up again? You don't have to stay down. You don't have to. It's completely your choice. Now look at Micah. I like this passage in here. Micah chapter 7, verse 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it and shame shall cover her which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. Do you see that pattern there? This is amazing. This is a great set of verses right here. So when this guy, and this is Israel, makes the mistake, falls down in darkness, he knows he's going to arise. He says, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord. We're going to talk about this in a minute. I will accept responsibility. The consequences that are due me, I will accept them because I deserve them. But then after I work through all that, it says, until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me, he will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. So once you accept the consequences and take responsibility for your actions, then God can actually deal with you and bring you to the light of understanding about what's going on. And then, and then, and only then, shall your enemy be ashamed because now they're falsely accusing you. Because that's the thing that hangs us up all the time. Like me telling you about the the people that I went to high school with where I feel embarrassed, I am ashamed of what I've done. Now, I have in my heart and in my mind between me and God, I have accepted responsibility and I have told God, and even though it scares me to death, I have told God, whatever the consequences are, I will accept them. 
And that scares me. It really does. Because it could be any number of things. But I know that I've done that. And I've been honest with God about it. I hesitate saying that, but I mean it with all my heart because I want to please the Lord. And so then God can work those things out in me. And now I don't have to be ashamed of those things anymore. God can actually use them for his glory and for his righteousness. So that's a great set of verses right there. All right. So how do we overcome sin issues? We're not going to be able to look at every verse on here, but I'm telling you, if you have the chance, please do it because all these verses are absolutely fantastic in this whole thing. So the first thing you have to do is you, you cannot be ignorant about true repentance. You have to understand it. So do not be ignorant about true repentance. Um, go to 2 Corinthians 7, and we'll look at one more. This one's a foundational one, so we've got to hit this one. So go to 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians 7, we'll take a look at this, and then we'll keep going with another, another passage and then move on. But 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Chapter 7. All right, 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10. Verse 10. Someone read verse 10 and someone else read verse 11. 10. Got a hand in 10, 11. Okay. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all, in all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Okay, so verse 10 tells us what godly sorrow. So there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of. So godly sorrow produces in your life permanent life change. You're never the same. It doesn't mean you'll never struggle with this stuff again. That's not what we're talking about. Because there's certain things that we're always going to struggle with. But... Your life is not the same. It can't be the same. Let me give you an example. If you are truly repentant about something, you are so broken about it that the thought of it makes you sick. And there's no way that you could turn around and do it again in another hour from then. And there's no way that you could turn around and do it the next day because you're just so burdened and broken over it. I'm not saying you're not going to struggle with it a month from then. Because we're human beings. We struggle with sin. That happens to me, and I just have to deal with it then too. But I'm telling you that it becomes less and less of an issue in your life. There should be an increasing pattern of sinlessness in that area of your life. Not more and not the same. And this is hard. This is hard. And so in my life, when I've been honest about these sorts of things with myself, with God, with others, I've had to really come to grips with, okay, am I truly broken about this? Do I really see how this offends God? Do I really see how this, this causes him shame? Do I really understand that? And if I don't, well, then I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it again. I'm just going to. But if I see how it affects God and it hurts me deep, like deep down to the core of who I am, then I'm going to change. I'm going to change my behavior. So he says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Because you keep doing it over and over again. And then verse 11 gives you the characteristics of godly sorrow that works this repentance. For behold, the selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. See, you're full of care about it. You worry about it. You don't like it and you want to take care of it. And it says, what indignation, what clearing of yourselves and what indignation. So you desire to get it far from you. You never want to go back there again. What indignation. You even get mad about it. You get mad about the sinner that you are. 
and that you were utterly broken before God. Some of the most honest prayers I've ever had with God is when I went with him and I just talked with him and I said, God, I am sorry for what I've done. But more importantly, I'm sorry for who I am. Because that's the issue. The issue is not what you do, it's who you are. And until you are willing to see yourself that you are broken and that you are sinful, you'll never get past anything. It's not about what you do. We get so focused on the act of sin, the things that we do when we offend God. It's, that's not it at all. We offend God by who we are because who we are determines what we do. And so we're focusing on the wrong thing. And if you'd approach God with a humble attitude, apologizing for who you are, I mean, you're going to be on the right track. And then it says after that, what fear? You're going to be scared about the consequences of skin. You're going to be scared to do it again. Yeah, what vehement desire. There's going to be a deep desire inside of you like a fire that you do not want to do this again. Yea, what zeal. You're going to be passionate about it. Yea, what revenge. You're going to want to do whatever you can to take revenge on that sin in your life. And that's why the whole topic of dating and dating in high school is I'm so passionate about it because I've screwed it up. I messed it up. And so I don't want you to do what I've done. So I am following these verses and I am applying my indignation, my fear, my vehement desire, my zeal, my revenge into biblical relationships. That's what I do. That's all I do because I don't want you guys to be in the same position that I've been in. That was a terrible place. I never want to go back there again. And I don't want you to even ever visit there the first place, in the first place, not at all. You shouldn't want to go there. So you cannot be ignorant about true repentance. So maybe the issue is you've never actually repented to begin with. Maybe you've never actually truly been broken over your sin. You've truly repented. Maybe you've never apologized to God about who you are. Maybe you've said, I'm sorry, God, for this, and I did this, and I offended this person. And I, When that's not the issue, maybe it's just because you've not apologized to God for who you are and take responsibility for the sinner that you are. That's really where it begins. If you ever want to overcome sin in your life, that's where it starts. If you've not been there, then you've never truly overcome your sin. Look at Job 33. Job 33. Job. Also pronounced Job. Or Job. Or Yab. Job 33. All right, the context here is talking about how God deals with mankind. And he says in verse 27, He looketh upon men, and if any say, I have sinned, and perverted that which was right, and it profited me not, he, God, will deliver his soul from going into the pit, and his life shall see the light. Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man, to bring back his soul from the pit to be enlightened with the light of the living. I love those verses. I love those verses. If you're just willing to say to God, I have sinned and I have perverted that which was right, God can deal with you. God can deal with you. So I love those verses. All right. So you cannot be ignorant about true repentance. And I think you need to ask yourself, if I'm still struggling with certain sins in my life, is it because I've never really repented to begin with? All right. Next thing. You have to choose to love God more than sin. You have to. You have to let your love for God overcome your sinful behavior. 
Because when you're thinking soberly, I guarantee you, you make the best decisions. If you have any question about that, just look up some YouTube videos about drunk people fighting. And you'll see very, very quickly that people that are inebriated do not make good decisions. And they look pretty foolish. We as Christians, we look that stupid when we actually don't love God properly and we love our sin more than God. So if that's the case, if you're somehow having a spiritual affair with your sin between you and God, then that's going to be a big deal. But you have to choose to love your, your God more than your sin. You have to. You have to. If you never come to that place where you love God more than your sin, then you'll never get over your sin. You'll never, you'll never let go of it. You won't. Go to Proverbs 16. We're going to spend some time in Proverbs here for a bit. Proverbs 16. Job, Psalm, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16. All right, 16, verse 6. Someone read that one. 16, 6. Go ahead, Kent. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Okay, so if you've ever been in a situation where you thought, man, I just wish the sin would just go away, it's actually possible. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When you understand that your sin has consequences and you fear before God properly, you will depart from your evil, and it will never come back into your life ever again. Whatever the cost. I don't care what it is. Maybe there's something that you keep tripping up on and it deals with a person. If you have to go as far as getting rid of that person in your life, then get rid of them. And that friendship, and that relationship. You should. Your relationship with God is more important than any other relationship that you have. It's like what Pastor Tony was talking about at summer camp. If anything is getting in between you and your relationship with God, it has got to go. It's got to go. I don't care what it is. I don't care how good the TV show is. I don't care how important that person's friendship might be to you. Is it more important than your relationship with God? Maybe it is. And maybe that's something else you need to deal with. Maybe that's something you need to be honest with God about. I don't know. But it says right here, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. God is willing to give you mercy if you're willing to be truthful about your iniquity. That's another way to read that. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You will never depart from your ways that keep tripping you up until... You are willing to fear God properly. You won't. You won't. You have to choose to love God more than your sin. And that is a big one. We could spend a lot of time talking about that, but we need to move on because I want to hit these other ones because they are equally as important. Number three. Okay, so you got to choose to love God more than sin. And then along with that, eliminate access to sin and change your environment. Now, this one is like common sense. Common sense. If you have access to sin and that access to sin just keeps popping up over and over and over again, get rid of it. Cut it off. Cut off the access to your sin until you're able to actually deal with it properly. I know of guys, and I'm just going to be frank and honest with you guys. I know of guys that have struggled with pornography and they've gotten to the point where they've had to had their parents take away their phone, their tablet, their computer, their PS4, any access they had to the internet. They've had to do that. In order to overcome this, they had to just, because they kept struggling with it over and over again, they, they had to have that happen. Whether by choice or their parents found it out, whatever. But those things were removed. And then he and I spent some time together. This one guy I'm thinking of, we spent some time together and we started talking about heart issues and dealing with sin and working through these things. But I basically told him, like, listen, I can't really help you. I mean, I can help you and I can give you advice. But at the end of the day, when you're alone, it's just you, you and the Lord, 
And it's the choices that you make. So your heart needs to be changed on this matter. Because I can't be like standing over your shoulder 24-7. Now you know you shouldn't actually be doing that. I can't. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't even want to do that. Why would I want to do that? I have other things in my life I got to do. I got my family. I got other things to take care of. I got my own issues to deal with. So, but sometimes you have to eliminate the access to it until you're at a place where you can handle it. Now, it doesn't mean you have to get rid of those things altogether forever. But maybe it does. I don't know. But there should be a point in time where you should be able to introduce those things back into your life because now your heart's changed and you're not going to go back there again. You should be able to do that. You got to live. You got to operate in this life somehow. You know what I mean? Got to be realistic here. And so you have to be able to do that. Eliminate access to sin and change your environment. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4. And I got 15 and 16, but it's actually supposed to be 14 and 15, so you can change that. 14 and 15. It says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass by it, turn from it, and pass away. So in case you're wondering, he repeats himself like four times, five times, in order for you to get understand what's going on here. So if this keeps tripping you up, just go not, don't go that way. Go not into the path. Go not the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. It really is that simple. If you don't want to go there and struggle with the same things, and just don't go there, period. It is simple. It is simple. And then we've already talked about Proverbs 13.20, where um, it talks about that he that walketh the wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. All right, so that's important. So that's another one you might have to think about doing. But once again, choosing to love God more than your sin, that's critical because that deals with your heart. And until you come to that place, then eliminating stuff in your life is really not going to matter. So eliminate the stuff, but make sure your heart's right first. Because if your heart's right, then God can actually use those things. All right, number four. If your heart's right, then you'll be able to do this. Some of you need to stop defending and excusing sin and start taking responsibility. You've got to. There's way too many times that we excuse our sin way too much. Way too much. You know what's right and wrong. I mean, you don't need me to tell you or anybody else to tell you for that matter what's wrong. You know what's wrong. God has given you a conscience and us. But God has given you a conscience to tell you the things that are wrong. You know when you do things that are wrong and you violate God. You just got to be honest about it. You just got to start taking responsibility for these things. Go over to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. Here's what you got to do. Verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That's a great piece of advice. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Just because you think it's the right thing to do doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And deep down you know it's the wrong thing to do anyway. You're just trying to justify it. We do this kind of stuff all the time. All the time. Um, I don't have this verse in here, but go over to Romans. Hold your spot in Proverbs because we're coming back. But uh, go to Romans. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. I've explained this verse before, but I'm going to do it again. I'm probably going to do it again and again and again until it's like burned into your guys' minds. Romans chapter 2. We'll have two people read. Someone read 14, another one read 15. 14. We'd like that one. You got that one? No, I'd read 15. 
For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are law unto themselves. Show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Okay, I love how this is written. I remember when I was going through this and I was just blown away by it. Okay, so you don't need the Bible, what these verses are telling you. You don't necessarily need the Bible to tell you what things are wrong because God has given you a conscience. And so verse 15 is where I want to focus. It says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. So God has written his law in your heart. And it says, their conscience also bearing witness to those things that God has written on your heart. And then here's what happens. Their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. So the way this plays out, on my heart, God has written a law, a moral law. And so then what happens is, is that when I do something to violate God's moral law in my heart, my conscience screams at me and it tells me, you're wrong, you're at fault. And then I have a choice to make. I can either say, no, I'm not at fault, I'm okay, and then I can rationalize it and explain it away or I can say yeah you're right I am wrong I need to get this right that's what everyone goes through every single person goes through that process you know what's wrong your conscience screams at you and then you either say no I haven't which is what we tend to tend to do which is a knee-jerk reaction that's what we do we end up defending ourselves and defending our sin rather than admitting that we were actually wrong in the first place I'm telling you right now, with my kids, I try to, we try to work on them all the time with, no, you were just wrong. You just actually need to say, I was wrong. <laughs> like, it's so hard to get my children to say, I was wrong. Because why did you do that? And they start pointing the fingers everywhere else to everybody else except for themselves. That's human nature. This is what we do. And so in order to overcome sin in your life, you have to start taking personal responsibility. You got to start to come to the place where you're like, no, it was me. Even if someone else did something else that was wrong, they had an influence, whatever, you take responsibility for your part in it. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah, that's a good one. Say it and be sorry for it. Yep. Yep, that's good. That's a great verse for it. That's a good one to write down. Write that down. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And that leads us to our next point. So stop defending and excusing sin and start taking responsibility. Start owning up to it. We live in a culture, especially with your guys' generation, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. But my generation was equally as wrong, but just different. That we end up defending and excusing our sin. We want everyone else to be at fault except for ourselves. And if we don't start behaving differently then look out because the generation after you i don't want to be a youth pastor (laughs) i'm just kidding i'll do it i'll fight with them too um but seriously we need to start taking responsibility for our sin that's the whole point and then point number five be humiliated now or later that's the choice you have be humiliated now or later your sin will find you out and this one scares the junk out of me because i don't care what your sin is it will come out one way or another it's going to come out and it may not be today or tomorrow and it may not be until you know a year from now five years from now 20 years from now but in one way or another it's going to come out your sin will find you out numbers 32 23 says that perfectly perfectly go over to proverbs 28 proverbs 28 verse 13 
Proverbs 28. So if you don't want to be embarrassed by your sin or your sinful behavior, if you don't want it to come out and embarrass you, then deal with it. That's the choice you have. Choose to be humiliated now. Choose to be humble now. And be willing to deal with your sin. And this verse, man, this one cuts like a knife. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. I love that verse. And I believe that verse. If I'm willing to get right with my shortcomings in my life and apologize for my mistakes with people, with with whoever it is, then I'm going to be able to have mercy. Confess and forsake them. I don't want to ever do that again. And I'll be able to have mercy. That's important. That's an important one to, to have. So maybe that's another verse you need to memorize. He that covers sins shall not prosper. And I'm not saying that you have to, you know... I, and I, I've, I've shared this with you before. If you feel the need to go and talk to one of your youth leaders about your sin, then do it. Like, if you feel convicted that I need to do this, then do it. Just do it. But I'm telling you this now. If you are too embarrassed to tell another person about your sin, and somehow you rationalize in your own mind and in your own, in your own heart, well, I don't need to talk to another person. I can just talk to God. The reason why you don't want to talk to another person is because you actually don't want to really deal with your sin. And you just want to talk with God because it's just you and God and you don't have to tell anybody else you're dealing with it between you and God. You're playing games. I know this. I've lived it. That's me. That's me. That's what I tend to do. And that's where I fall short. That's one of my shortcomings because I'm embarrassed to deal with my sin. Who isn't? It's ugly. It's terrible. No one wants to to let people see the different things you do that are terrible and a violation of God, they call you a hypocrite. But if you're willing to actually deal with them, there's going to be mercy. If you're willing to be honest about it and truthful, there will be mercy. So it's your choice whether you want to be humiliated now or later. I'd rather be humiliated now than later. And I'm thankful for times in my life where God has humiliated me by force um, than to have to give an account for it later because he made it come out. And uh, But I don't even want that to happen because that was terrible. I don't want that to happen in my life anymore. All right, lastly... And this one's super important, super important. Do not allow your past mistakes to determine your present or future decisions. This one's a big one. Because I think when it comes to sin, we feel trapped. We feel like there's no way out. And we feel like, well, that's who I am. So this is what I do. That's not true. That's not true at all. Go to Philippians 3 and then one here. Philippians 3. Philippians 3. All right, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. All right, it says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. All right, Paul was a guy who was obviously, you know, super spiritual because he loved God. He was humble about it, but he did a bang-up job for God in this world. And so when you see that he says, this one thing I do, you want to pay attention. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So there's one thing that Paul did. He forgets his past. 
Now, he doesn't forget it completely because he uses it in his testimony all the time. But he lets it go. I mean, think about Paul for a second. Paul was a guy who murdered Christians. He murdered other Christians. He had other Christians in prison for, for loving Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ. He tore families apart. He probably, we know that he was there with Stephen when he stoned Stephen in, in Acts chapter 7. He, didn't, he may not have thrown a stone, but it says that he was consenting unto his death, which means, yes, this man deserves to die. Everyone take a giant rock and throw it on this man. So he had blood on his hand. If there's anybody that did not deserve to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was Paul. Paul did not deserve to preach the gospel because he persecuted people that loved God and believed the gospel. He was the last man qualified to preach the gospel to people. The last man. There's way more qualified people to preach the gospel into the world other than Paul. Paul was a walking hypocrite based on his past and his mistakes. So you know what he did? He forgot those things which are behind. And he used it. When people brought it up and ridiculed him for it, he said, yeah, that's who I was. And then Jesus Christ changed me. And then it made his testimony even more powerful. And it gave him more opportunities. I'm telling you, you guys, in all of your faults and all your mistakes, the thing that you think, I can't share the gospel because of this, or I'm flawed because of this, that thing, whatever it is, I don't care what it is, I don't care how embarrassing it is, that thing, whatever it is, that's the thing that's going to make you strong in the gospel. That's the very thing God desires to use to motivate people and to inspire them to believe the truth of the Bible. See, you see it as you're as you're as you're, you're you're crippled by it. You're it's the crutch that you have. It's the excuse that you have. And see, God is looking at you and saying, "Stop using it as an excuse. Stop using it as a crutch. Stop looking at it as a weakness. That is your strength. Just give it to me and let me use it and be humble. And I can take that thing and turn it completely around. And you will be astounded at what I can do through you. I'm telling you, that's how He works. This is how God works. But the thing is, is that you have to be humble to do it. Because when people point the finger at you and say, well, yeah, well, you, well, then you have to say, yeah, me, I did that. I did. I did. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But this is what God did in my life. And your life testifies of that. So that very thing that, you, that stops you from ministering is the thing that God wants you to use to minister the gospel. It's so important you guys get that. That's why Hebrews 12, it talks about that thing that so easily besets us. That thing that so easily besets you in your walk with God is the thing that God wants to, to use to strengthen your walk with Him. And it's the thing that He wants to use to magnify His gospel in the world. He does. Alright, so those are some pointers. There's, there's so many things we could talk about with overcoming sin issues, but I felt those were the most important. So I hope they help. If you need to go back and revisit these things, please do. Because I think the reason why some of you are not ministering properly and not sharing the gospel and not doing things you know you're supposed to be doing is because there's sin that you're just hanging on to. And you're not willing to let it go. You're not willing to let it go. All right, in closing, next we're going to be talking about evangelizing. So how to evangelize effectively, how to share your faith effectively. All right, so we're going to do the same thing we did last week. So if you need to go, leave. Um, but if you want to stick around and give your input, please do. Um, so evangelizing effectively. What are the things that commonly hold you up or trip you up when it comes to sharing your faith with other people? And believe me, I guarantee you that your struggle with this is likely someone else's. Timmy. Fear of rejection. Okay. Rejection. All right, good. What else we got? Yep. Image of human change. All right. So, image. 
I can't spell. Okay. All right. Good. Yep, Jimmy. It will be looking for you to screw up. Okay. So accountability. I'm gonna have more accountability if I start talking about Jesus. Yep. What else we got? Yep. Okay. You or other people you care about don't like the person. You don't want to have mercy. Okay. So having compassion for people. All right, good. What else we got? Yep. Okay. All right. So we'll just say, um, we'll say coming against people. All right, so coming against people you love. All right, good. Yep. Um, the fear that when you witness to them, they'll find something that you don't know well enough to be able to tell them okay. to the point where you feel like you almost lost that opportunity because you weren't prepared. Yep, okay. So, um, not being well-versed. Literally. Well-versed. Ah, get it? Well-versed Bible verses. Okay, alright. <laughs> All right. What else we got? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Was that yours, Jack? Yes. Okay. All right. Stolen by Jamie. Sorry, Jack. I feel you. Not believing in a guy that can change people. All right. Anything else? Yep. If they get angry at you or even physical. Okay. So, fear. Uh, beat up. <laughs> okay, or beat lazy. down. Lazy, that's a good one. It's just flat out lazy. Okay. All right, I think that covers it. All right, good. All right, so um, that ends everything. We'll talk about some of these things next week. Um, if you have time to stick around, I did, I did find this video that is perfect for this overcoming sin issue, so I'm going to put that up here really quick. But if you got to go, then go ahead and please exit. Um, and we'll see you guys on Sunday.